So happy and grateful that we are here. We are coming to a conclusion in our sermon series, 180, the turnaround. So as I was getting ready to prepare myself for this service and I was sitting back and I was thinking, well, when do we do a 180, you know, we're turning around? And it reminded me of the time I went and got my driver's license. And so I was driving to get my driver's license. My mother just made that look. She's like, I remember this story. <laughs> so going to get my driver's license, of course, there was an extremely long waiting list at the Plymouth Registry of Deeds to get driver's license, to which my friend James and I, during library time, was diligently on the computers trying to find a shorter wait time at a local RMV. We found one on the vineyard. <laughs> So we realized that, yes, we had enough money saved up. We think that if we joined forces, we could have both our parents convinced that we would do it as a group. To which they agreed. So off we went to our ferry ride in November to the vineyard. So here we are in the vineyard. We are doing our driving test. My friend James goes first. He is successful, gets out of the car, gets five and says, great, I'll see you back at the ferry boat. Don't be late. <laughs> okay? And I go, I get in the car, and I am there, and I'm going through all the instructions that the state trooper is telling me to do. And then he says, great. And then he gives me the final instructions to do a three-point turn. And I do it. And at the very end of the three-point turn, I look over in the rearview mirror at my mother, and she's looking out the window. She won't make eye contact. I should have known. I turn to the state trooper and I look at him enthusiastically. He puts down his clipboard and pen and says, that was a lovely six-point turn. <laughs> Thank goodness it's the vineyard and it's November and there's nobody around. He goes, why don't we try this again? So I calmed myself down and did it again. And success got my license and we made the ferry boat. But it's difficult doing a turnaround, isn't it? Whether it's doing a three-point turn in the middle of a busy street or a not-so-busy street in the vineyard, or even in our lives, to literally turn ourselves from our humanness to our spiritualness and to put and reflect and put all of our attention on Christ himself. And so that is where I was coming together and looking and discerning and asking God where he wanted us to go today as we were concluding this. And he put in our hearts together as a, as a collective team and said, let's look at John, John the Baptist, for this was a humble, humble man. Now, there's many parts to John. To quickly summarize his life in the scripture, Remember, he was the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb when Mary came to announce that she was pregnant with Jesus. John the Baptist was an infant inside a womb, and he leaped for joy at hearing her voice. Fast forward into his ministry. As Jesus starts his ministry, he goes down to the Jordan to be baptized by the very same John the Baptist, who is, in fact, his cousin. And John even says, you know, goodness gracious, Jesus, I should be baptizing you. And Jesus said, no, we according to the scripture, this is righteous. And so thus we have this beautiful imagery of Jesus being baptized in the Jordan. And that's something that we carry with us in Christianity to this very day. 
And so as we continue to look at the scripture and at the word, we come to a next part in the book of John, and it's chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. So if you have your Bible, I welcome you to flip to it. John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36, or if you have an iPhone, an app, an iPad, whichever one you prefer. we got a lot of eyes going around here with devices, but whichever way, or you can direct your eyes up here as I put the scripture up before us. And it reads, After these things, Jesus and his disciples went into the land of Judea, and there he was with them for some time, giving baptism. Now John was there giving baptism at Anion near Cilium because there was much water there. And people came and were given baptism. For at this time, John had not been put into prison. Then a question came, came up between John's disciples and a Jew about washing. And they went to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man you were with on the other side of the Jordan, the man to whom you gave witness, is now giving baptism, and everyone is going to him. And this was John's answer. A man is unable to have anything if it is not given to him from heaven. You yourselves were witness when I said, I am not the Christ. What I said was, I am sent before the Christ. He who has the bride is the husband. But the husband's friends whose place is by his side and whose ears are opened to him is full of joy because of the husband's voice. Such is my joy, and it is complete. He has to become greater while I become less. He who has come from heaven is greater than all others. He who comes from earth is of earth, and of the earth are his words. He who comes from heaven is over all. He gives witness of what he has seen and what he has come to his ears, and no man takes his witness as true. He who so takes his witness has made clear his faith that God is true. For he whom God has sent says God's words. And God does not give him the spirit by measure. The Father has a love for the Son and has put all things into his hands. He who has faith in the Son has eternal life. But he who has not faith in the Son will not see life and God's wrath resting on him. Here ends the living word of God. Amen. John the Baptist was a humble man. And in it, and in the story of Christ, and in his ministry, shows us Christ-like humility. As followers of Christ, and what we have come to know, and what we have seen from Christ, the physical world that Christ left his apostles was to do as I have done. Do it on to others. That was the instruction that he left us, to be humble, 
to one another. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in a very well-known and thought-of quote. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. It's like jumping. There's no in-between in jumping. Either your feet are on the floor or they're off the floor. Being humble is the same thing. It's either you are or you're not. There's no in-between, no gray areas. And Christ's lesson to us is humbleness. He was so humble to a cross. He was so humble to death. He was so humble to us that he put our needs before anything else. John the Baptist realizes this, and in that text that he shares with us, there are three points that we're going to talk about and discern today. The first is fulfilling the purpose. John had a very particular purpose that he was called forth to do. The second is disciple-making. The third is advancing his kingdom. So first, fulfilling our purpose. Fulfilling the purpose that God has given to each and every one of you. Let me say that again, because nobody gets off the hook. All eye contact here. God has given you a purpose, each and every one of you. Turn to the person next to you and says, you've got a purpose. Go ahead. Got a purpose. That's what I'm talking That's it. We've got a purpose. And sometimes we get lost. We think that it's such a huge purpose. Right? John the Baptist, he was called before he was even born. And his father, who was a priest, didn't believe it and was struck mute. So, yes, some people even doubt. And so John is reminding his disciples and his followers that we have a purpose. Sometimes it is in the great big things in our lives, but sometimes it is in the small ones as well. John's purpose at this time was in that small moment to talk to his followers to remind them of being humble. The small things in our lives. Oftentimes we say, what are we committed to? I tell you this, if you show me right now what you are committed to, if you show me right now what it is you do with your free time, you show me right now what it is that you put your thoughts and energy into, I'm pretty sure we could figure out where you're going to be in 20 years from now, wouldn't you say? Where are you putting your thoughts, your focus, and your energy into? Many are afraid to commit, and they descend to just drift through life. Afraid of committing to the, our worldly aspects as opposed to our spiritual ones. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, Peter writes this, Everything around us is going to melt away. What holy, godly lives you should be living. Fulfilling and functioning and seeking the purpose in each and every moment. And I do say moment. And humility is also something that we take in consideration and we think that it means weakness, right? Be honest, right? 
We look at humbleness and our humanness says, well, I must be weak in this moment. I'm going to remind you of Moses. Moses was a man who didn't like talking in front of large groups, was put in charge of a group of people that were unruly. He went up against pharaohs. He led a group of people through the wilderness for 40 years. But scripture says that he was the most humblest of men. I don't think Moses was a weak man, do you? Not at all. Our humbleness comes through in our purpose. In realizing our purpose, we think of the moments that we are in. The seasons. Just recently, we brought our bridge ministry to the vineyard. Group of 20 or so children. And we decided, Miss Satina, the director, said... We're taking them to the vineyard. I'm like, okay. So several of us adults got together and we decided that we were going to go. Miss Atina had an agenda filled day. We were taking a ferry boat over. Then from there we were going to the gingerbread houses. From the gingerbread houses, we were going to go to the tabernacle and visit the Methodist church, which is a picture of us standing at the Methodist church on the vineyard. And then from there, we are going to go, and we're going to go play at the field. If you're familiar with Oak Bluffs, the big one with the gazebo right there at the ferry boats. And then from there, we are going to go to the flying horses. From the flying horses, we are going to go get ice cream. From ice cream, we are going swimming. And then, God being, we will make the ferry on time to get home. <laughs> so off we went. And we had a great day. And we were at the flying horses, and the kids were having a fantastic time. And then we realize all the nearby ice cream places within walking distance only take cash. We ran into a little bit of a problem on that one. So as us adults were talking about it and we were trying to discern what we were going to do, Miss Satina said, look, we don't have the cash. No problem. This is going to be a great day. We're having a great time. The kids, we're just going to have extra swim time. They'll be great. This will be fabulous. They'll be wonderful. And she's overly enthusiastic, and we're just like, all right, let's go. We're going to move on to the next thing. We try to run to a convenience store real quickly to see if we can get a box of ice cream sandwiches. No avail. So as we come back, we're getting the kids all situated, ready to go, packed up so we could take them swimming. A woman comes out. And it just so happens that Miss Satina was standing right in front of me. She was kneeling down, um, putting her youngest in the wagon, and this woman walks out and kneels next to her, whispers something to her and hands her something and puts something in her hand and walks away. Miss Satina stands up and opens her hand and in it was $106 in cash. And to which Miss Satina said, the woman inside overheard our conversation and her and the parents that was near her, all took all the cash they had out of their pockets, and they told us that we should take the kids to go get ice cream. So we did. And when we went and took the kids for ice cream, our total bill came to $99.94. With just enough money to give over to a tip, and let me tell you something, if those faces, ice cream smiles, don't show you just how delicious that ice cream was, I don't know what will. The purpose, that was a hallelujah moment. 
See, those adults in that situation were there just taking their own children to go for a ride on the oldest carousel, flying horses. But they heard something. They allowed the Holy Spirit to move them, and they fulfilled a purpose at that moment. Fulfilling your purpose does not need to be such on the grand scheme of things. It is in the smallest moments of our everyday life. Allowing the Holy Spirit to move us. The scripture says in chapter 2 of our text today, you yourself can testify that I have said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. Our purpose might not be what John the Baptist was at that moment, but our purpose is to allow the Holy Spirit in every moment that we are in to move us to be humble servants. The second thing that John talks about in the text is making disciples. Now, oftentimes we think of making disciples that I've got to disciple on to someone else. The reality of it is, yes, we must do that, but we also must train up ourselves to be disciples also. Making disciples is to help advance the kingdom. You know, oftentimes we look and we realize that we're doing all that we're supposed to be doing. We're coming to church, right? Here we are. Amen. Look to the person and say, I'm here. I'm here. Right? We go to our faith groups. We, are, we are give with a generous heart. But we miss the opportunity to grow up as Christians. The opportunity to grow forward in being the disciple upon who we are. There are millions of Christians who grow old but never grow up. They become stuck where they are. They put their spiritual growth on autopilot. It takes an enormous amount of commitment to say to yourself, I need to turn around and put my focus back on the cross. You must want to grow. You must decide to grow. You must make an effort to grow. And you must persist in growing. Not staying still, not being stagnant. For that is an example of making and being a disciple and how you are able to turn back and help the next one beside you grow as well in their faith. I always go back to the story of Matthew, a tax collector, despised amongst his community, rich and wealthy, great, but no one to share it with, giver of nothing to no one, poor in spirit, and yet one day Christ walks up to him, looks him in the eye, and says, you, you, come follow me. And that's what he does. He leaves everything behind, and he becomes a disciple and a follower of Christ. Could you? Would you? Are you? Doing such as Matthew has done? 
Verse 29, it says, The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, John the Baptist says, and it is complete. The third thing that John talks about in this particular text is advancing the kingdom. Christ-likeness comes from making Christ-like commitments. I'm going to say it again. Christ-likeness comes from making Christ-like commitments. It's in the big and it's in the tiniest aspects of our lives. It's advancing the kingdom. It's saying that where we are in this light, we need to advance it even further. We need to move it. I showed you the story of the team and the students a bridge on Martha's Vineyard with ice cream. You saw those blue ice cream smiles? And so afterwards, after we had finished with that aspect and after we had gone for a swim, it was time for us to head home and catch the ferry, which we made on time with 20 kids. <laughs> and as we get on the boat and we come back home, and we're doing the kids and we're dropping them off at the, at the community center. The parents are signing them off. There was a few children that were waiting for their parents to come. And at this time, it just so happened, it was just happened to be, but then again, what appears to just happen is how God puts things in motion. And two police officers walked by. They actually said hello to Miss Atina. Miss Atina said hello back to them. And they went on their way, and two small children stopped me, and they looked at me, and they questioned, why are they here? Didn't know, and the other adult near me, we didn't realize what they were asking. And they said, why are they here? As they pointed to the police officer. And then we realized that they were children speaking from an area of, of, of some sort of trauma, some sort of... Um, hesitation. And as I looked at them, I stopped and I got down on one knee and I said, well, why would you ask such a question? And they associated and said, well, normally when police come, some, some, something's wrong. And I said, well, yes, but right now they're, they're not running, they're, they're just walking, saying hello to Miss Satina. But once again, there was this fear in them. And so I turned to them and I said, what did you do today? And they said, oh, we went to the vineyard. I said, and what did you like best about the vineyard? Uh, they started naming everything off again. They're like, oh, we like the fairy rides. And then from the fairy rides, going to see the gingerbread houses. Bread houses. We liked going on the uh, flying horses for the carousels. And from there, we enjoyed swimming. And oh my goodness, the ice cream was awesome. Now, the kids did not understand or know the full context or the story that had happened in regards to the ice cream, so I shared it with these children. And I said, there was actually a miracle that happened in regards to our ice cream. And I shared the story and with awe and wonder. And I said, today was a great day, wasn't it? And they said, yeah, it was. And I said, and you're here? And they said, yes. And I said, and you're from this community? 
And they said yes. And I said, then this was a great day and this was God's work today that you were a part of. And those children stopped for a moment and they thought about it and you could see their minds clear. And they said, yes, even though I am from some place where sometimes there is no light, I can be the light. And in that moment, they had the biggest smiles on their face, and they said, we did have a great day today. Advancing the king, yeah, we can say amen to that. That was an amen moment. Advancing the kingdom is when we have the opportunity to share Christ's love and light in all areas of our life. Now, those adults that gave money back at the flying horse for the ice cream, they will not witness, unless they come across this story, to see how their full story impacted children. So thus, I testify it to you here today, to this congregation, because Bridge is our extension of our ministry here in this very place. Advancing the kingdom one person, one situation at a time requires our humbleness in all situations. Our humbleness in saying, I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know how this is going to end, but it is okay because I've done a 180. I've turned it and given it all over to God, and I've let him handle the rest. Advancing his kingdom Turn to the person next to you and say, we're advancing the kingdom. That is what we are due. Because as John the Baptist says, he must become greater. I must become less. That is what we are called to as Christians, as being Christ-like to humble ourselves before him, becoming less. It's the great paradox of Christianity. Because, see, humility is the avenue to glory, is it not? Amen. Becoming less is learning the value of the deed itself, the deed upon which Christ died on a cross for us, to go back in your minds and to think of those moments when there was darkness in your life, a situation, a relationship, an experience, that God reached out his loving hand and said, you are mine, and plucked you up. To honor that is to be humble. Do the unexpected without boasting. It's so easy in this day and age of social media to say, hold on one second, let's get a picture of this. There was no pictures of the parents that stopped themselves. They didn't boast about it on social media that what they have done. They had just humbly given themselves and stopped competing over the achievements. It's hard to do especially in this day and age where society puts so much on competition. We compete with our siblings. My brothers and sisters in the room just shook their head and said yes, right? It's an innate thing to do. 
but it's something that Christ reminds us to separate ourselves from. To stop competing. To realize that Jesus is the bridegroom and that is where the focus is and shall be. It was interesting because not so long ago my son and daughter got a small write-up of them in a local newspaper. They are avid runners at the age of 10 and 7, I know, right? Avid runners. They love to run, and they do a kids' road running program, and they've been running together for the past five years. Yes, do not challenge either one of them in a race. I will, I will say that, right? They love to run. So they're, they, they're great runners, and they did a small little write-up on them in the local paper. So it just so happened, we had the paper out on the, the dining room table, and we were going about our business, and my son walked by, Nigel, who's seven, and he stopped and he looked at the, the write-up and he shook his head and he said, huh, was, why? I'm a nobody. Right? And now I see a few of you parents who kind of gasped at that second, right? That was my husband and I. We looked at each other. We did the whole look. Are you taking this? Are you t- who's taking this? And so my husband got up and he goes over to my son and he starts talking and he says, well, Nigel, Really great example, a demonstration about how families can do an activity together. And maybe you can inspire and encourage other people. So Nigel shooks his head in understanding and says, okay, and walks away, goes off playing. And then Nigel comes back maybe 10 minutes later and once again stops and looks at the article. And in it, he once again shakes his head at it. And he looks and he says, huh. I'm just a nobody. And then once again, my husband and I looked at each other and we said, okay, and I said, all right, and I gave him the nod, like, yeah, I'll I'll handle it, Let let me go in. But I stopped for a second because as Nigel said it, he stopped for a second and then he started humming a little bit. And as he was humming, he said it again and then started to walk away. I'll put the song that he was singing up. Because I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Read it with me. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see somebody, Jesus. And that's what he said as he walked away. I sat back down and told my husband, We're good on this one. (laughs) Do we? Sometimes, even in the title of this sermon today, I just picked the nobody. It's a little uneasy. Just now when I said it, some of us kind of had that gasp inside. But when we are Christ-like, we come to this realization that the nobody who testifies about somebody who realizes that that somebody is within each and every one of us, and it makes us him. It makes us his. It makes us a child of God who is somebody. The nobody turning to God is somebody in Christ. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, Turn to Christ.
Here ends our words for the day. We ask that you take a moment during the time after we receive our word, we let it just sit and resonate with us. To hear it in our hearts. At this time, as we start playing some music, we ask that you just collectively take a deep breath. Put your feet flat on the floor sometimes and just reshuffle yourself, get yourself comfortable for the moment. Christ gives me a message and a word. It sits deep and long. And the reminder that there, there are amongst us those who are learning and growing, those who are saying, yes, Christ, pick me, come to me, let me open my heart and my door to receive you fully. Let me humble myself to you. Let me give my life over to you. Let me give this situation, this relationship, this job, this experience that I have been struggling with and have been holding on with two hands so tight that my knuckles are white. And now that I realize that you have asked me to do a 180 and turn my attention not to where I am seeing in front of me of my humanness but to my spiritualness to you to Christ my Savior as we sing our closing song we welcome you to come forward to receive prayer we welcome you to come forward to say yes Christ I am yours because he is ever so faithful to us, ever so faithful to us. Dear God, let's bow our heads for one moment. The Spirit's just saying, let's just pray over everybody at this time, at this moment. So I'm just going to ask you just to bow your heads to allow people around you just that opportunity to have their moment. Dear Jesus, just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for whispering to each and every one of us, Arise, my child, you have work to do about my kingdom. We are just so happy and grateful for this opportunity to come together as your family at Faith Community to advance and grow your kingdom beyond these four walls and to advance your kingdom also within our own hearts and our own lives. Thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, to let it sit and resonate with each and every one of us. We just thank you Thank you, Lord, for being the Savior of our life. And may the ears that are hearing and hearing this, the sound of this voice, may it just reflect and just penetrate your soul. The deepness and the uncertainty that you have right now in your life to know that Jesus Christ humbled himself for you, laid down at the ground and said, yes, I will give up my life for you. 
and is outstretching his hands at this very moment and saying, take hold, take hold. For the good shepherd is here. The way, the truth, and the life is here for you. Always, my beloved. Amen. Congregation, please rise in body and spirit as we sing our closing song today. Great is thy faithfulness. We welcome you to come forward to the altar for prayer. If there is something that is moving you or troubling in your spirit or in your soul, just to be prayed over here at the altar. Or if God has spoken to your heart and asked you to come to receive, we welcome this opportunity and time for you.